Okay. Um, welcome, everybody, to the inaugural edition of the Near Memo, which is a weekly conversation among the three of us about events of the week in search, social, and commerce. I'm Greg Sterling. I am uh, pleased to be the editor of uh, Near Media. And joining me today are Mike Blumenthal and David Mim, my uh, collaborators and co-conspirators. And you guys want to say something a little bit about... Uh, about yourselves? Not that it, you need any introduction. I'm just excited to be finally working with the two of you on a project together. All right, as am I. Likewise, I was about okay. to say age before beauty, but Mike jumped in before I could even get that out. So as usual, Mike gets the first word. And the last. All right, so, so what we've decided here is we're each gonna go around and um, reflect on a development, a news item, something that happened this week in this broad range of uh, technology news and um, have a discussion about it and we'll see how it goes. So why don't we start with you, Mike Blumenthal. So the, the piece of news that really sort of caught my eye this week sort of running in the shadow of Jeff Bezos' big announcement that he was moving from CEO to chairman of the board and su surprisingly, if not suspiciously, released on the same day was the fact that Amazon had been fined by the FTC for $66 million for stealing tips from their workers from, 19, from 2015 through 2019, contrary to what they had promised the workers and they didn't stop until the FTC actually started investigating it. And it, it, I know that in, your, in our newsletter, you noted it, that it was this sort of Bondian villainous Bezos, but I thought of it more uh, like, here's a capitalist doing what capitalists do, trying to get away with things by exploiting the lowest flex worker in the chain of delivery and only sort of coughing up once they got caught. And I see it as a systemic problem. This is something that DoorDash and Instacart and every one of these other guys have done. And I see it as a systemic problem in our society that largely lets these companies run unregulated. Well, let, me, let me clarify the bond billing headline um, because I, that, was, that was prompted by a, a picture that I saw somewhere. I don't know the source of it now that showed Jeff Bezos in 94 when he just had founded uh, Amazon. And he's kind of this nebbishy guy, thin guy. And then I saw the picture uh, of him, you know, more, more recently and he's got, he's all, you know, he's really uh, jacked now and he's got this vest and it's all in black and he's bald. <laughs> and I thought this guy is a Bond villain now, you know, he's become, and he's got the space, uh, you know, SpaceX, I forget which one is Musk's and which one is Blue 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 Orb or whatever the hell his space company is. But that so that's why I wasn't saying he's a Bond villain because he's stealing from his own drivers. I'm saying just because he's transformed himself into this kind of you know figure. But um, what was mystifying to me about about this item, the the FTC fine, is like why why have they don't need to do this? I mean, it's not yeah. like they're a small company that needs to show revenue growth. You know, like the, what is the what is the possible motivation from for ripping these people off? It just it does it's it's insignificant to Amazon itself, right? You know, totally point like seven trillion dollar company, right? It's, yeah, it's, I, I mean, mean, I was totally, there's totally like mystified. it's point 
0.801% of quarterly revenue or something like that. So yeah. it's, it is totally mystifying. And yet it seems to be a standard in our industry and it happens over and over and over again, whether it's Uber or DoorDash or Grubhub or one of these others. And, and in the absence of firm and consistent high level regulation, I guess it will continue to happen just because it can and why leave $66 million on the table? And why not take it from the flex driver who is working three jobs and sleeping in his car at night? I mean, I guess the system rewards, you know, profit maximization or shareholder value maximization, but I, it's just, it's, it's crazy and it's kind of horrible, you know? I, I mean, th this is true. This, is, this, this sort of phenomenon seems to be, as you're pointing out, I think true across many of these companies you, but what was also striking to me is that you, you know, Bezos is trying to present himself as a as a benevolent figure, a philanthropist. He's got the Bezos, you know, Earth Initiative, whatever it's called, and and you know, trying to do good things at the corporate level. And yet, this kind of stuff is going on, and it's true for Google and it's true for Facebook. You know, they're all touting this is Black History Month, and are they're all touting, you know, their their black-owned business initiatives and supporting black entrepreneurs and. And um, at the same time, they're doing all these things which are, uh, you know, very, very questionable uh, ethic ethically. Um, you know, the example of, 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 of Google ousting the, um, the AI expert, her name is escaping me right now, who's, who's African-American, I believe. Yeah, it's the, it's the Gilded Age reincarnate. I, went, I visited Johnstown last year, the site of the world's, you know, horrendous flood caused by industrialists of the area from Pittsburgh wanting a Adirondacks-like park in the, in the hilltops above, so they built a dam poorly. It broke. Everybody died. No responsibility. And yet they all went on, many of these, like Frick and the others, went on to become major philanthropists to recover their name in yep. history, even if not in reality. So, um, David, why don't we go to you? Uh, one, one last point I oh, want to yeah. make on this before we leave. It's yeah. just the amazing timing to me of the Bezos move. I found it fascinating that they were able to announce it on the exact same day that the FTC released the news. And I don't, you know, I, I am not a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. I just think it was an incredible uh, PR maneuver to have this buried in the news. I, 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 so on that on that note, I, I I I'm not somebody who indulges in conspiracies that often, but I think I think there's a way in which this is about PR because you know apparently Bezos has really not been running day to day operations for a long time. Right. And, so why announce on the same day the FTC is? And without... he's and he's not leaving the company. He's just sort of taking this higher level role where he's going to focus on strategic projects. So in a sense, nothing is changing in, as a practical matter. So, uh, you know, in one way, this, it, is a, it is our PR maneuver likely, in all likelihood. Over to you, David. All right. Uh, so the, the, there wasn't necessarily a single story that caught my eye the last uh, week or so, but a series of stories, um, starting with the acquisition of Review by Twitter. Uh, which is a newsletter platform uh, not entirely dissimilar to my own newsletter platform, Tidings, which was acquired by Demand Science this week. 
and then also Facebook announcing that they were going to start to, um, well, actually they didn't announce it. It was, it was released. Uh, it came out that they're developing uh, newsletter tools for journalists and, and reviews primary audience is also journalists, which is a little bit different than, than tidings, which is geared around um, small businesses and inside of demand science will be geared at, at B2B uh, companies specifically. But I think all three of these things, you know, kind of combined, uh, I, I feel some vindication for my, my thesis a few years ago that social media um, is not necessarily, you know, the best place to for a business to be communicating with its customers, um, that there's so much happening sort of in the stream that you don't get the sort of dedication of, of attention, um, number one, and that you don't own your audience the same way uh, that you do with a with a, an email platform. So, um, you know, I think that it, that email has long been uh, sort of abandoned um, by a lot of less sophisticated marketers, um, and it's still one of the most m one of the most powerful channels uh, out there, and and one that everyone should be taking advantage of. And and uh, Twitter and and Facebook uh, and uh, to a much much lower level demand science uh invested in that this week uh, put their put their dollars where um where their um, sort of strategic vision is so do you think so, substack will be impacted by this i mean substack was well it was interesting i don't know if you guys saw but their ceo came out with a couple of smart snarky tweets saying oh this is you know gm deciding to build the bolt but then tesla is you know over here on the side taking their lunch um i I do think Substack will be impacted. I, th I I'm certainly impressed with uh, have have been impressed with Reviews platform, and I think uh, in the hands of a company as large as Twitter, um, which has the same audience as Substack, I would I would certainly be feeling the heat a little bit um, over there. And and uh, that's not to say that there isn't a place. I mean, I think with with any sophisticated technology product, I think there's going to be um, Cert, just there's just going to be certain customers for whom a, a particular product is better suited for or not. And so I think, you know, to the extent Substack sub can find where that gap is, um, we certainly have seen Twitter execute very poorly on small business oriented products in the past. And, um, you know, they, they for all, by all indications, seem to be much more interested in journalists as a customer base. So maybe that won't be the case here. But um, I don't know that it's going to you know, put Substack out of business or anything, but I think it's there. Certainly, uh, seem to be targeting the same customer set, and it's half the price for a paid subscription. I think it's five percent right. versus and, Substack's ten. And Twitter's Twitter's even dropping what Review had been charging. So yeah, it's getting getting even cheaper. Right, and free for anybody who isn't charging for the newsletter. So it's a pretty yeah. competitively priced. So that's what that's what caught my eye this week. I just you know call it the resurgence of email, but. Um, you know, whatever, however you want to frame it, but uh, email is still one of the top performing channels and, and everyone should be doing it. And, you know, one of the reasons that we launched Near Media as a, as a newsletter first company, um, we just, we, all three of us, I think, really believe in the, the power of newsletters, so. Absolutely, and I gather up when I was tasked with uh, targeting progressive agents, which are notoriously hard to circle into a crowd. Email was the only, I tried calling, I tried direct mail, I tried everything and the only successful tool turned out to be email of all the things I attempted. So I, I can attest to its power. I don't think it's a resurgence. I think it's always been there. It just doesn't quite. It's, it's, it's not, not sexy. It's not, not sexy. sexy. You know, it, it, it's, it's something that's always performed and it's one of the things that's most highly valued. I mean, 
it's paradoxical because there's so much email and there's so much noise and email, but it's still very effective. And it's, um, you know, but it, but, but people don't want to talk about it because it's, it's just this thing that's this workhorse that kind of continues on and it doesn't have the bells and whistles. Of it doesn't other. have the shiny object syndrome yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So for me, and meanwhile, everybody's excited about Clubhouse. Is that where you're going, Greg? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. You know, I, so on that, you forced me now to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, you if you had been on the call with me and Barry Schwartz and Matt McGee was on that call, Matt is the one who's very and very mm -hmm. involved. And yeah. you know, I mean, I think he's having. I think it's meaningful for these realtors. They're they have embraced. You know, realtors are a funny group among small businesses like realtors and lawyers and maybe one or two other categories are really ahead of the curve. Realtors have always been very progressive when it comes to marketing and trying new things. And they're, and they're apparently using that, uh, using Clubhouse in, in ways that are meaningful for them as opposed to just wasting time. I, I mean, I had, like you, I had sort of dismissed it. Um, like, oh, it's like this 1950s party line thing. And it's just really a noise, it, literally and figuratively, it's just noise. But then I got on the call and I did talk about it. And we were talking about some, how people are using it. And um, it, it was pretty interesting. And I could imagine some specific use cases for it. I mean, it's not something that I want to just hang out on, you know. And, and I mean, there are people that are just on there all the time, I guess. But, but it is pretty interesting. It's like, a, it's like a missing networking tool, you know. It's, it's all the virtual events that have taken the place of the live events don't have any viable networking. I mean, there's some novelty things that have been happening, but really that's gone. And that's what people are hungry for. And that's a big motivation for going, going to conferences. And this isn't necessarily the replacement for that, but it gets closer to that than something like Slack or, um, you know, I don't know, Zoom breakouts maybe. I mean, I don't know, but it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. And I, I haven't gotten my brain completely around it. Um, but that's Matt, not what I'm going to talk about. But just a note on that, Matt and I, Matt showed it to me the other day. I joined up. Obviously, they want everybody in my email list and every social network I'm on. They wanted that information. I only shared some of it with them. But Matt is particularly well suitable, suited to an audio environment. You know, he was trained in, in me, traditional media and he has an audience built in with realtors. So it's it's exciting to him because he has everything Mm -hmm. You need to take off. Um, I, you know, if I'm going to go there, I have to build a new audience there. Right? Well, it's it's it's, 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 it's difficult. A, it's analogous in a way to radio. See, I'm running out of time now. You forced me to talk about this issue that I wasn't oh. going to talk about. It's it's, it's <laughs> I, I forced you. <laughs> no, David. David forced me. It's it's analogous in some ways to radio. You know, or 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 um existing media that people are familiar with you know they're the new you know the the author who's being interviewed before this big audience or you know the 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 radio host and guest and then the audience um so it's it's interesting but there i, I we'll see what happens with it do, do um, you think it will have uh i i'm i'm certain that will have by this point uh achieved a you know ex escape velocity with its own audience but do you think that the return to economic normal and, and in-person events will stunt its growth? Or do you think it really is kind of an ongoing thing that people will use regularly? Well, I think like anything at a certain point, people will figure out what it's good for. And then, you know, and, and then the sort of the marketers will descend on it and turn it into something, you know, distort it or like suck the life out of it, you know, 
the 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 exploitation and manipulation but um i i think it'll have it i think it'll continue to have a life i mean events you know it, it'll be interesting to see as we sort of go forward how many virtual events survive how many live in-person events sort of return we'll have some kind of mixed landscape i think you know mixed reality um so um I can't launch into another topic. You you get a do over. Yeah. You get you get you get a, you get a slot. Okay, so I'll tell you I'll tell you what I'll tell you what what I was going to talk about, and then I'll then let's talk about I'll talk about one one final thing that's quicker. So I was going to talk about the Apple versus Facebook uh, sort of uh -huh. I, I, IDFA deprecation and how that's playing out, and it has a lot of interesting dimensions to it. You know, one of which is 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 Facebook's effort to create its own environment to persuade you to opt in, as opposed to using the Apple kind of uh, pop up, which has very limited space. So that'll be very interesting to watch to see what happens. Also, the justification of you know help small businesses, which is essentially implied right. by their messaging, um, which is manipulative, I think, and has some truth to it, but is largely manipulative. Uh, that's pretty interesting. And then against the backdrop of like the speculation about what are people going to actually do when these messages start showing up, you know, will it be like GDPR or CCPA where essentially nothing is happening? People are just complacently. Just an extra hurdle for users to precisely to content. Yeah, precisely. Or is it going to be meaningful where people are going to say, I don't want to be tracked. You know, and I, I wrote the story this this morning, or the the sort of excerpt about uh, about how all the capital rioters are being found using their smartphones. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's. I mean, social media and smartphones are the things that are that are identifying them, and people are just you know they know where they live, they know where they've been. It's it's incredibly revealing, and it's it's concerning. I mean, I'm all for rounding up the ringleaders, but it's very concerning. And so, privacy continues to be a really important ongoing issue. And how consumers, I mean, I saw some data this morning that I maybe will include in a, in a subsequent newsletter about how there's a, there's a gap between people's recognition of the problem, how they, they, what they say to surveys, and then what they actually do, which is the GDPR issue. It's like people are complacent or they're not making the effort or they're just not doing anything different, yet they're anxious and concerned. You know, this is, this is sort of the, the, the market that we're in right now. Except for David, who walks around inside a bubble of tinfoil. That's right. Uh, it is it is true that I have location services disabled uh, for every app until I enable them, including right. Apple Maps. So, yeah, I mean, I think people genuinely want more control over these things, and they recognize, in limited context, the value of having that awareness. And but but it's you know it's 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 just very um, people don't you know, know what to do necessarily, uh, or they're complacent or whatever, it's too much work, whatever it is, you know. But Apple has certainly gotten to a point of market dominance where they can now drive the conversation to a large extent and help consumers understand what's going on and take the next step. You know, when they first started this marketing campaign around privacy several years ago, I remember David and I had a conversation around it and it wasn't clear that, that it would have an impact. And I think they were right in identifying as a topic and right in establishing as a corporate sort of uh, value that they could market. And good long, good long-term bet for sure. I think, yes. you know, the stuff is only getting more Orwellian. So um, 
even if it's not at the surface yet, it probably will be in the next five or 10 years. So, well, and, and I think that they, that they're motivated both by sort of a, a recognition of the, of the problem that this is something that they need, that they should be addressing, but also there's a self-interested dimension because they don't have to rely on advertising you know, they're in a position to, they, they can take the high road because they can take it as opposed to somebody like Google, who apparently is going to do the, 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 the light or the bad version of what Apple is doing. Right. Um, all right, so I, I was going to bring up I was going to bring up the the uh, the Apple AR VR mixed reality goggles glasses whatever that apparently are going to cost three thousand dollars and um, just have some fun with that. Well, but this we'll, is a weekly show, so maybe that's we a can good save that for, for the, next the time. Second, yeah. The second the second near memo. And, exactly. I, and I will bring into that conversation the Apple Car, which I've been studying recently. Yes, as well. yes, very interesting, very very interesting. That's another like, what are they actually thinking is going to happen kind of topic. And and I'll play the luddite who wants neither. So <laughs> as yeah. usual. Okay. All right. Well, um, thanks very much, and we'll do this again next week. And um, it was fun. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. Bye bye.